This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. And online at SBNationLive.com. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Clark Judge, Rick Goslin, and Ron Borges. Welcome back to hour number two of the first Talk of Fame Network show of 2018. I always enjoy how people welcome in the new year around the country and some places. Uh, their polar bear swims. That's usually in places where it's sub-freezing, like it is now in the Northeast, Ron. <sighs> Cold up here. Cold. Cold. Green Three degrees this morning. One yesterday. Siberia um, got nothing on us. <laughs> nothing. Uh, in Philadelphia, there's the Mummers Parade, of course. Pasadena, the Bros Bowl Parade, and then in Cleveland, <laughs> in Cleveland, we're going to have the perfect season parade, guys. Scheduled for this Saturday, it'd be January 6th to honor the Browns' 0 and 16 finish. That's. <laughs> It's not a joke. Sponsored by Excedrin, which I think is also perfect. And it's going to celebrate the Browns' time. What I once thought, Goose, was the rarest of achievements, and that's your Detroit Lions 0-16 record for futility, and that was set in 2008. So, Goose, if you're in Cleveland, if you're there, a Browns fan, you're in the dog pound, I guess you're out of the dog pound, how do you feel about this? You know, I'd rather be 0-16 instead of 1-15 or 2-14. and you know, with your one year winless, you are guaranteed the first overall pick of a draft. Collect a couple of those, and you're going to have a very competitive yeah. football team. And I have a rule of thumb for new GM John Dorsey in this draft don't trade out. Take the quarterback. When you trade away from <laughs> first Carson Wentz and then Deshaun Watson, you deserve all those losses. Yeah, hopefully he knows what a quarterback looks like. Hey, Goose, you grew up around Detroit. When, when unbeaten teams finally lose late in the season, as you know, the 72 Dolphins, they drink champagne and celebrate their 17 a year. That, you know, great. What should the Lions do now that their record's been tied? Well, I think they're hoping the Bears go winless in 2018. Then the Great Lakes trophy can pass from the Lions <laughs> to the Browns to the Bears. That's the battle cry. Keep it in the lakes. There we go. I like it. I like it. I think they got two op- two options. They can go out and light 16 votive candles of thanks, <laughs> or they can go out on Lake Michigan and take 16 pratfalls. Either way, it's great not to be alone in this category. Hey, Ron, quick now. It took a lifetime, it took a lifetime for the Lions to become the first team to go in 16, but it only took Cleveland nine years to tie it. So who's next, and when does it happen? I say the Browns next year if they can't find a quarterback. Uh, now that would be a feat for which they should get the – Defeat of Clay Award. Then you, Jackson, is back in 2019. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, around here, we celebrate perfection every week, and we're going to do it when we return with our postseason awards. That's coming up right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Clark Judge, Rick Goslin, and Ron Borges. Hey, it's New Year, so the obvious question. You guys have any New Year's resolutions, Goose? Mine is to swear off New Year's resolutions. That way, I'm never disappointed in February. Exactly right. I took the same approach. Why do something you know you're going to fail at? <laughs> Well, I guess I'm going to do that. I'm going to do something you're going to fail. My to buy the Chargers. Moving back to San Diego. Of course, I'm going to need some financial help, but that's why we have you here, Ron. You'll be hearing from my accountant very, very soon. Well, 
I don't, I, I don't know if you're going to buy them and take them to San Diego and have a hard time selling them in L.A., and that's going to continue, if, especially if the, if the Rams go deep in the playoffs, so that the Chargers are around, they're the Mets yeah. and Queens. Right. Yeah, you don't know the Chargers. See that game last week with the Raiders? All Raider fans. Yeah. <laughs> it was all Ra- I mean, the, the, the most popular team in L.A. in the Rams and in the Chargers, not USA, it's the Raiders. It still exactly is. You're right. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, okay. On to postseason awards, because we're a Hall of Fame show. Sometimes in the Hall of Fame slash Hall of Shame awards during the season. But you know what? Regular season, eh, it's over. And we're into the playoffs. So, guys, we get there. Let's clean up 2017 while we can. And acknowledge, you know, those that are deserving first with our Hall of Fame awards and, and then, you know, with Hall of Shame. So, Goose, let's with the Hall of Fame awards. Who or what do you want to induct into the Talk of Fame Network's Hall of Fame for 2017? I'd like to enshrine the Bill Venovich officiating crew. They called the fewest penalties in the NFL this season by a wide margin, only 153, 25 fewer than any other crew, and 92 fewer than the flag-happiest crew of Walt Anderson. So give Venovich a bus for staying out of the way, and what a novel approach, letting the players dictate the outcome of the games. I like it. That's excellent. Uh, But my uh, inductee is Tyrod Taylor. John McDermott, the genius running the Bills, benched him six weeks ago for a guy who threw five picks in the first half and had to be pulled for who? Tyrod Taylor. Unfairly blamed for all the things going wrong in Buffalo. He never publicly complained uh, when he was reinstated. He went 3-2 and as a starter, threw only one pick in those games and only four all season. He threw one less pick 15 games than the other nitwit threw in two quarters. Tyrod Taylor. You like guys named Ty, right? Ty Law, Ty Rod. I love, yeah. I love Ty. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, Ron, because I'm going with the guys who bailed out Sean McDermott. That'd be Andy Dalton and Marvin Lewis <laughs> for doing what the Buffalo Sabres can. Let's bring something uh, other than, I don't know, a couple of feet of snow to Buffalo in January. I, I don't know what's next for Marvin, but I do know this. You could corroborate this because you go to Buffalo. He could run for mayor of Buffalo today <laughs> yes, and could. win with maybe, I don't know, Dean Peace or someone from that Ravens secondary is first lieutenant. Okay, up next, it's our Hall of Shame. And, Ron, you're first in line this time. Hall of Shame. Now, this is easy. The, the deposed computer geeks in Cleveland who denied Hugh Jackson a chance to draft Carson Wentz Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, and stuck him with Deshaun Kaiser, who was 0-15 as a starter with twice as many interceptions, 22 as touchdown passes, 11. How about Kaiser Associate? <laughs> you bit off with him. Those computer guys are more dangerous than Hal. <laughs> Goose, who are you going with? I'm going to go with the, with the process of seeding. Uh, I kind of wish the NFL were operated like professional soccer. And the worst teams get dropped the league. <laughs> and then the Browns would have been demoted to the Big Ten after the 2016 season and demoted further to the Mid-America Conference after the 2017 season. Wow, like Goose. Ron, I mean, you guys surprised me. I thought one of you guys was doing Alberta Riveron or officials. Goose, you're an officials guy. You mentioned I'm, Vinovich. I've already touched on officials. And now let's let's hear your Brady spiel. What do you got coming up? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking about Hall of Shame. No Brady spiel. No Brady spiel. No Ted Wells. No, no Roger Goodell. I'm going with Goose, your favorite punching bag. Instant replay. Now, uh, once upon a time, I thought it was a good idea. I don't know if you did. Ron, do you think it was a good idea? Never, never. I never really thought it was a great idea, no. I like human error. I, I'm a big advocate of human error. I do it all the it, time. 
I was going to say we're big advocates of human error because we practice it every week on this program. Um, but I, I thought it was a good idea. But but that's before the league decided it should re- review. It seemed like you know every nanosecond of every play. Instead of using it for only like clear and obvious mistakes and run, you can address that. I mean, you saw that alleged you know Buffalo Bills touchdown in the corner of the end zone against the Patriots. You saw that alleged Jets touchdown in the corner of the end zone against the New York Jets. Um, you saw the alleged touchdown in the end zone by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it just there are too many stoppages. I mean, uh, it, it's just it, there's no flow to the game. And, and to me, and now it's apparent the clear and obvious mistake is having. I mentioned Alberto Riveron, Al Riveron. And the NFL officiating department dissect every catch and interpret it in such a way that, and they it just seem like they infuriate what's left of the league fan base. I mean, too many stoppages, as I said, not enough flow to the games, and, and too much airtime for our rear run in the zebras. I mean, I think enough is enough. You? I've never been a fan of replay. I've always yeah. been a big fan of human error. Yeah, it just seems like there's so many, and at some point. At some point, there's going to be play, Ron, like that play at the end of the Patriots-Steelers game where it's like the, the touchdown, to, let's say, you know, there's a touchdown and it wins the game and they storm the field and they go, wait a minute, let's go to replay. And they go, no, Jesse James dropped the ball. No, he didn't. We're on the field. We're all celebrating. And and that that sort of uh, excitement and anticipation, it's gone. I mean, it got clear the field. And you go, it's ridiculous. Well, plus, Steelers home field advantage. Right. And, and plus... You know, okay, so you watch something slow down to the slowest possible thing going, and maybe the ball moved, you know, back and yeah. forth. Let me tell you something. As a guy who used to be in the carjacking business back in the day, if you threw me somebody's keys, and I bobbled them in both hands, but ultimately got in the car and drove away, stolen car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No replay. You know, right. I dropped the keys because they moved in my hands. You know, we got yeah. it done. We stole the car. <laughs> Hey, quick, Gooseman, I want to ask you qu- quickly. Uh, your MVP, league MVP, who is he? Todd Gurley, led league in touchdowns, led the NFC in rushing. Only, he caught 64 passes, only player with 2,000 yards from scrimmage. This is an easy one. Ron? Agreed. Same guy. He was responsible for 36% of the Rams' yardage and 42% of their touchdowns. Pretty okay, and coach of the year? Coach of the year, Goose? Sean McVay, although Sean McDermott made a late push. Ronnie? Gooseman, we're, we're in agreement. Uh, uh, wow. you know, one year he turned around a struggling franchise and a struggling young quarterback. Can't do much better than that. Yep. Hey, there's the signal that our offensive player of the year is next in line. That's Ron Borges with his Borges of Bogus. Ron, what do you have? Here we go. Uh, maybe it's time for the NFL to do something I always thought would be bogus. Maybe it's time to seed the playoffs. If one looks at this year's lineup, whoever emerges from the AFC will have very likely played only one competitive opponent to reach Super Bowl 52, either the Steelers or the Patriots. Conversely, the NFC is a minefield of problems. Is this really how the best two teams should be chosen? Look at the NFC's wildcard lineup. New Orleans versus Carolina. The Rams versus the defending champion, uh, NFC champion Falcons. Now let's look at the AFC slappies. Chiefs against the Titans, who aren't so tight. Jaguars against the Bills, who had to back in, courtesy of the Cincinnati Bengals, for God's sakes. If you are the Patriots or Steelers, is there a single NFC wildcard round team you'd rather face than whoever emerges from the AFC's Detrius round? If you are the Eagles or the Vikings, is there one AFC team you would not rather face for a shot at the conference championship game than those available uh, in the AFC wildcard competition? If the answer is anything other than, I do anything to transfer to the AFC, then your answer would be bogus. The Bills-Jaguars contest is a battle of two teams without a quarterback and one very likely one without his best running back, John McCoy. 
The Bills backed into the playoffs, led by Tyrod Taylor, my man. A guy the head coach benched in favor of a guy who threw those five picks I just talked about six weeks ago. That's a playoff team? The Jags have a great defense, but, but they're led by a quarterback as volatile and unpredictable as nitroglycerin. As for Tennessee, do you really fear a Titan team led by someone, a quarterback claiming to be Marcus Mariota, but playing like Marcus Junius Brutus? At two, Brute? That's what Mike Malarkey kept saying every time the guy walked by him after throwing another pick. <laughs> Look, uh, the, I understand division championships. I understand conference championships. But maybe it's time just to concede them and see if we can get the best two teams in the Super Bowl. So, Ron, if you're suggesting to return to old-time football, scrap the eight divisions, the two conferences in favor of one 32-team league, and then seed the top 12 finishers for the Yeah, playoffs. let's do it. Old let's do it. Old-time football. Yeah. Yeah, like the Premier League, which is really old-time football. Uh, <laughs> that's how they do it. You know, yeah, you're not getting the best teams. I mean, you, you're getting teams in there that are just, God, you got to play these guys? Really? It too, Borges? Uh, I, I can tell you what's not bogus. That's NFL historian John Turney, Ron. Man's always got the answers. And he's up next right after this. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Perfect. Thanks, nice This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Clark Judge, Rick Goslin, and Ron Borges. Well, when they talk about ringing out the old in the NFL, it usually means coaches. And we had a number of them leave this week on Black Monday, and including friend of the show Bruce Arians. And when they talk about the new, ringing in the new, it's a new season as in playoff season, which begins this week. Here to talk about both of them is our good friend, NFL historian, John Turney of Pro Football Journal. John, Happy New Year to you, and welcome back. Thanks. I I appreciate it a lot. John, first things first, I mentioned the head coach openings. There are, as usual, several of them out there. Your opinion, which is the most attractive and why? I I have to go with Detroit because I think there's a lot of things in place there that don't need to be fixed. And I think the right kind of leader and motivation could really turn things around. They've got a quarterback who can get it done. Uh, he, he hasn't quite performed as well as he has in terms. He's just inconsistent, and I think I think you guys might agree with that in terms of wins and losses. But I think they've got a good secondary, uh, a Pro Bowl type corner, and then Glover Quinn at safety. I just and, and, and Ziggy Atza at defensive end. I think uh, somebody like. Mike Vrabel going into there might be a really good fit. John, do you think any of these departing coaches will get recycled, and do any of them deserve another chance? Boy, I'd have to go through the list, but it seems like you know, Jim Caldwell has had his chances. Uh, of course, Bruce Arians retiring. Um, Here's a name, Jack Del Rio. You know, I, I think he could have got a little bit of a raw deal in some ways because I thought he performed and the team performed very well two years ago. For various reasons, things went wrong this year. I, to be honest with you, I don't know that he hired the right offensive coordinator, somebody who had the gravitas necessary to kind of make those things going go real well. I think if you saw on the sidelines uh, Todd Downing and, uh, David, uh, and Carr talking, Sometimes they weren't even looking at each other. It was just—it just seemed like it was icy. So I, I wondered if a, if a different offensive coordinator next year with Del Rio as the head coach might have been different there, because there's a lot of good players there, and they were—they won 12 games last year. 
Well, out here in New England, uh, uh, John, of course, everyone's talking about Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, is this the year that the Patriots lose both their coordinators? And if so, will that have the slightest effect on Bill Belichick? I don't think it will matter to Belichick. My question to you, though, is I don't know that anybody knows Matt Patricia's organizational skills and leadership skills in terms of being the kind of executive leader that he would need to be as a head coach. I think Josh McDaniels has those things. Maybe he was a bit too young when he got that first chance. But I think he's pretty much got that look of a head coach. You, you can tell that he's going to make the decisions, and, and he did those things. Matt Patricia... I can't get a read on the guy, but you know him. You probably talked to him. Does he have the kind of thing where he's going to show up and, and, and delegate the types of things that need to be done and, and put the assistants in charge of the defense and, and, and be that, that different kind of coach that a coordinator is, as a, as a coordinator is different than a head coach? Well, I'll tell you, John, it's a good question. And I, and I would say this if, if Clark Judge owned a football team, which he made before it's over, uh, and I handed him a, print, uh, a picture of one of our head coaching candidates wearing a T-shirt with a, a cartoon of the commissioner and a red nose on the front of it. He probably wouldn't say, that's my guy. So, <laughs> no, I might. Actually, I Actually, might. That's the scary part. You might. Right? Goose would not. Yeah, so I, I think yeah, that would back to haunt him. But, but keep in mind, you've got a head coach who wears a hoodie and a cut-off sleeves, and he just wins everything. True. I think it might hire him. Well, I, to be honest, I don't know, but I think Patricia has a good chance of ending up in Arizona. I think kind of fits what the, the outside-the-mold kind of guy, because Bruce Arians was not exactly corporate, if you know what I mean. Right. right. Ron, you know, I thought you were going to ask uh, John... What does gravitas mean? Because <laughs> gravitas, whoa! It's the first time I guess saying gravitas. Congratulations, John. Isn't that, isn't that a form of grapes? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it just means yeah, large, gravity, weight, heaviness. You know. There you go. Thanks. I got the latter. I got the weight. <laughs> I got the gravity. <laughs> We're speaking with NFL historian John Turney of Pro Football Journal and Webster's Dictionary on the Talk of Fame Network. And you can find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com or on Twitter at talkoffamenet. And, John, um, the Wild Card Weekend almost always has an upset um, in the AFC. I think Wild Card entries are 4-4 four and four the past four years. Well, they're 5-5 uh, five and five in the NFC the past five and ironically, the only year no wild card winner um, came out of the uh, playoffs was last year when Miami, Oakland, the Giants, and Detroit all lost. So where do you see the upsets this year, if in fact you see an upset this weekend? Well, there usually is one, and, and there's always in the first two rounds, there's always going to be one since 1970. I believe that that's a fact. I'd have to double-check that. But... I was just, I, I wouldn't have believed this at first, but as I was doing a little research today, you know, I'd seen that uh, how well Matt Ryan has been playing on the road, much better than in his friendly confines of the the new home there. His his passer ratings much higher, interceptions are down. If the Rams cannot muster a pass rush against him, I don't know if they have the ability to cover Julio Jones. I think he's the kind of guy who can wreck a defense, and and. I'm sure they will probably put Tremaine Johnson on him, but Tremaine Johnson's not a star cornerback. He's a solid cornerback, and I'm not sure he's able to to cover Julio. And then you have to wonder who's going to be the guy that's going to double him if they're going to play a lot of zone, which Wade Phillips usually doesn't do. So that's the curious thing. If there's not pressure on Matt Ryan, I think, 
I think they could go out and play in the Coliseum and sneak out a win. John, the top two seeds in the NFC have backup quarterbacks taking the snaps. Can anybody in the NFC win the Super Bowl this year? Oh, boy, I, I would say they, I certainly wouldn't favor them, no, no matter who it is, if it's the Rams or if it's the Eagles or if it's the Vikings, against Tom Brady, for example. I mean, I'm not an odds maker, but just the gut feeling is Brady's going to beat all three of those teams, even if the Vikings are playing so-called at home. Well, it's interesting to me, uh, uh, John, because in another way, the NFC, when you look at this slate of games uh, this weekend, uh, the NFC seems loaded, while the AFC wild card weekend uh, it just looks pretty lame. Uh, today I made a case for, for seeding the postseason to get the best uh, teams. Do you agree that maybe they should go back to back in the day when it was, you know, you just took all those teams and it was one league and boom, that's how you... Yeah, it's an interesting thought. If I were to vote and I were given a voice on that committee, I would vote against it just because of nostalgia. And by nostalgia, I mean this is what I grew up with, and I would have a hard time getting away from divisional rivalries and conference rivalries and Pro Bowls and those types of things, at least the selections, not that I care about the game. But the AFC, NFC, as a remnant of the NFL, AFL, is part of the fabric and part of what the baby boomers and the World War II generation and the silent generation did to just explode this game. And we're losing a lot of those things as the Generation Xers and the Millennials come up, and they're not in love with the game like people my generation and older. Yeah. Right. Well, I agree with you, John, and I also think divisional championships should count for something. You know, if you win a division, it should count for something. Hey, I, I want to ask you um, about the AFC. Um, Goose asked about the NFC. You know, once upon a time, I thought it was simply New England-Pittsburgh. I mean, let's just cut to the, the chase and do those two, two, two teams in the conference championship game. But, but now I, I, I think the Patriots' worst nightmare is Kansas City. I mean, the, the Chiefs just seem like they have too much speed. They, they don't make mistakes, and they went into Foxborough this year, and they destroyed the Patriots. Plus, they're on a roll. I mean, they won their, what, the last four games. So, do you agree? And, and if you do, how much of a chance do you give Andy Reid when he's lost five of his last six playoff games, including including one at Foxborough? Yeah, that's, I think what it comes down to there is special teams. Uh, this year, um, Tyreek Hill has been good. I think he, early in the season, had a punt return for a touchdown. But he hasn't broke... Big one after big one, like he usually does. But if they go into a game, a playoff game, and a big return or two, and then have a you know a, maybe an unsung guy, at least for their team, like a, a Darrell Rivas picking one off for a pick six, or Houston uh, going off for two or three sacks, they've got what you know what we would all call playmakers that really can be game changers. So I would say the odds are not high, maybe twenty five percent, but I think at least that's pretty good compared to what you would think the record is, which some people don't think is all that great or dominant. You know, they're not 13-3 and three or 14-2. Or and two. John, who's your MVP this year? Uh, I reluctantly, not reluctantly, he, he deserved it, but I went with Tom Brady on my vote for the, the Writers Association thing, which, which I'm a member of. Um, and I went with the Offensive Player of the Year as uh, Antonio Brown, although Gurley was second in both of them. Wow. That's just I, I think Antonio Brown, had he played another couple of weeks, would have perhaps had an 1,800-yard year, you know, maybe a dozen touchdowns. 
I think in a year where the quarterbacks weren't dominant, had he had he had those two big games at the end of the year, I think he was a legitimate MVP candidate. I mean, when you give it the eye test in, in the games that he was dominant in, you go, this guy's uncoverable. He's great. The quarterbacks took a big step backward this year. Yeah. Yeah, nobody had that real year. We're, we're so used to now guys throwing 35 touchdowns and five interceptions that when somebody like Brady throws, what was it, 32 and, and, and eight? Yeah. That seems like a step down. It's like Mickey Mantle hitting, you know, instead of 340, hitting 320 with uh, 40 homers instead of 50, that kind of thing. Well, I, I would agree with him. If I were a betting man, I would I would take Carolina. In this, you know, I would bet on Carolina uh, straight up without even the points. John, as always, thanks for you. Thanks for the time. And we'll be betting on talking to you again very soon. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Same to you. That was NFL story. John Turney, Pro Football Journal. Up next, we revisit with cornerback Everson Walls, the surprise choice among the 15 Hall of Fame finalists. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Clark Judge, Rick Goslin, and Ron Borges. Well, as you should know by now, the Pro Football Hall of Fame this week announced its 15 finalists for the class of 2018. And among the names is cornerback Everson Walls. So what, you say? Well, so this is his first time as a finalist in his last year of eligibility. As a matter of fact, he was never a semi finalist before. So in honor of Everson Walls, we thought we'd replay the interview that we did with him last month. And here it is. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. Our next guest, Everson Walls, has waited a long time for this moment. He's the only cornerback in NFL history to lead the NFL in interceptions three times, yet he's waited 25 years to become a candidate for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And now, well, now he's a semifinalist for the first time in this, his 20th and last year of eligibility as a modern era candidate. Everson, first of all, welcome back. And second, Congratulations on reaching the semifinals. Well, I sure do appreciate it, man. I, I could just die right now, and I'm good. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Don't, Don't do that. Do that. That's all I need. The <laughs> fact that you guys are calling me that just means I'm I am a I am a new man. I am I am. <laughs> Better than I was before the phone call. How about that? Oh, I like that. <laughs> Harrison, how, how all of a sudden have you become a Hall of Fame candidate after all these years? You know, what have you done in the last 24 years to improve your stock in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's like my dad said, I, I walked you down, okay? I had, to, <laughs> I had to walk down the process. It took me just as I planned, of course, my last year of eligibility. <laughs> you know, I, I, I planned it just like that. You know, with me is all about timing and I think my timing is perfect <laughs> obviously now 24 years is a long wait uh, how surprised were you Everson to finally become a semifinals in your last year of eligibility when you got the word you know I, I, I really <laughs> I was extremely surprised because I try not to think about this at all you know I've obviously this is not my first time uh, being nominated but to make it to this point so usually I'm out of it by now, and someone usually, you know, arbitrarily tells me, hey, man, you know, 
uh, good job, but you know, you're out, you're outvoted once again, and you know, you're watching somebody else put on those gold jackets. So, you know, this particular time, I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised, and I think I think the the hoopla around the whole thing is is as exciting as anything. You know, it's gotten my family all excited. Uh, and my daughter, my the people at Grambling State University, everyone that always supported me. I talk, I call them Team Walls. So everybody, Team Walls has gotten a lot, a lot more memberships uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks with this announcement. So you know, you, you try to sit back and chill and just kind of like let it organically take place. But you know, when you've got so many people pulling for you especially your family, then, you know, you can't just sit back and be passive and idle about it. You got to, you know, you got to get in there and, and do your part. And, and, you know, if not for yourself, definitely for the people that uh, have been waiting a long time for this to happen. Hey, Everson, is, is Goose part of that team, Walls? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Goose is, Goose is like, uh, Goose is my, my Jason Garrett, okay? He's, he's <laughs> is that good or bad? I don't know. Yeah, that, well, you know, it, well, last year, the last few years, it's been pretty bad, but, you know, <laughs> Dak Prescott, Dak, when Dak, Dak Prescott came, you know how things got better? Well, here yeah. we go. You know, he, he's. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it my Dak Prescott. Now. There you go. There we go. <laughs> We're speaking with Hall of Fame semifinalist Everson Walls on the Talk of Fame Network, and you find us on the web at talkoffamenetwork.com dot com or on Twitter at at Talk of Fame Net. And Everson, if you could show the voters a tape of one play, one play that best showcases Everson Walls as a Hall of Fame cornerback, what would it be? Wow, that's that's. Uh, I was trying to think about that. I mean, you know, the fact that I, I've got more than one that is kind of pretty cool. But uh, I think my most uh, athletic one would be uh, the night that Dorsett went 99 yards against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, just being able to uh, uh, catch it and, and, and do a somersault uh, simultaneously without even touching the receiver who was supposed to, uh, who the ball was intended for. Just a simple curl route. She slips down, and of course, me, I'm, you know, I'm breaking on it. I'm looking for that pick. And uh, as he fell down, I was able to avoid him uh, physically and, and, and make the pick uh, while, while, while turning the slip. You know, that kind of stuff that, you know, as I explained it, you know, you guys should be like hooping and hollering right now. I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I should be getting, an, I think you'd be getting an amen from the corner, you know? Amen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's legit stuff, man. That's yeah. big ball action right there, you know? <laughs> hey, Everson, what, what would a gold jacket mean to you? You know, I, I think I kind of spoke on it earlier. It's, it's really not what it would mean to me. It really is. I mean, uh, when I first started playing this game, I didn't even know I'd be in the pros, first of all. I went to college just to get an education, and next thing you know, things just start developing and, and occurring. And, you know, it's, it's, this, it's, 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 it's this roller coaster that just keeps going. And really, you're not even at the helm of it. You know, you're just a passenger. And so for this to happen and for my, my loved ones to just be uh, excited as they are, even up to this point, you know, I, I I I would probably be barely be able to contain myself because of the joy that that they are receiving uh, from. And so if we were able to go all the way, I'm sure every every member probably says the same thing. It's like, you know, it's the people around you that that makes you so excited about it. 
everybody's like, wow, man, it's about time. It's about time. You hear from people that you never knew even pulled for you or supported you. So it, it's really, it would mean much more for them, uh, for them to be happy and, and to, to uh, not just get the load off of my back, but off of theirs as well. You know, I got, I got a tweet from a, a minister in Virginia who said he wore 24 <laughs> his whole life because of Everson Walls. And he, oh, that's, cool. play. that's why he's that's playing football. Yeah, he said, he said when he got to high school, he had a change, so he moved down to four. Well, you know, I I, uh, I just happened to be looking at Facebook today. I I went through all this stuff, and I, I noticed I was hadn't answered a lot of things. And I'm like, man, because I still don't quite get Facebook, so I started going through all of these messages and things, and I saw a picture of, of a card collector. Uh, he took a picture at uh, uh, Von Miller's house. At Von Miller's house, you know, Denver Broncos. Yeah. And in his house, in his his little little man cave, is a picture of me guarding West Chandler in the mud. Uh, I remember that game. Uh, and, uh, and I'm uh, like, man, see, that's the kind of stuff. You know, you don't think these young kids really remember. But, you know, it's not just a picture. It was like an article. He had, he had the original article. Huh. Okay, so, for, you know, it, it, you, you never know how far... You know, your efforts reach. And for somebody like a Von Miller, hopefully maybe I influenced him one day or, you know, he just loved the Cowboys themselves and to be part of that whole thread. You know, you, you really can't, you really, you really can't exaggerate just how much that means to a person. You really can't. Well, Everson, speaking of coaches, uh, you play for an incredible array of legendary coaches. You've got a Hall of Fame coaches, really. Eddie Robinson, Tom Landry, Bill Parcells, Belichick, Bill Belichick. How did each of them influence you as a player? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think it all came uh, at the right time in a timely fashion. Because number one, when I first came to Grambling, you know, talking about Eddie Robinson and, and and his influence on me, I would not even be able to articulate to you right now just you know how I really felt. You know, listening to him every day. You know, he was a teacher. He was he was that 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 inspiration not just inspiration but it, man he, he made me grow up you know that was the mo- that was the moments when I was the most influenced I could have been influenced in any other way and for, for me to be around him at 17 years old to 21 and just when I was really getting my confidence in being a black kid you know growing up in Dallas going through all the stuff I had gone through going, going through juvenile and not even Knowing if I even wanted to be an athlete, period. Not even barely getting into college. So his timing was perfect. And he got me ready for Tom Landry, who was the disciplinarian. Uh, you know, the the same things Rob talked about, you know, from a African-American standpoint, you know, I, I had to I had to exhibit that strength by coming to the Cowboys, you know, as a young man just trying to make his way. You know, and then here comes uh, uh, a guy like Bill Parcells who just changed the whole script <laughs> all the way. I mean, I, you go from this stern, you go from two coaches who are extremely conservative and stern to a coach that, I don't know, man, he, he mixed, uh, he mixed, it was the way he, he played with your head. I always said about Parcells, he wanted everyone on his team to hate him together. 
And that's all that matters. As long as we were together, right? Ron as does the same we thing. Together, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the same that's way. The same thing. You can come together in hatred, right? You can come together in hatred, be as strong as any other emotion, right? And I think, I think he knew that, and there was a motivator for us to stay together as a unit. And to me, that was to me that was genius, and I was able to look at it from afar because of me being there my first year. I looked at Parcells differently than the teammates did because I was looking at it from the outside. You know, those guys were from the inside because they were already there. They had been privy to this this, this philosophy. And for me to kind of view it, you know, as a, as a newcomer, I, I, I thought it was it was just genius, genius the way he did it. And of course, the transition was easy with, with Belichick, you know, coming from the same program, uh, him being the defensive coordinator who really more than Parcells ever did saw uh, my potential more than what I saw for myself so I've been blessed uh, throughout my entire life for people able to see something in me that, that I may not necessarily see in myself I, I, I may have wished it you know be like you know how it is you, 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 you want that 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 um, you want to have that kind of ambition, but I always had somebody right there who would say, you, you know what, you, you can do this. You have my permission to do this. And uh, Belichick was one of those guys. Everson, you arrived in the NFL as a cornerback. 13 seasons later, you retired as a cornerback. Ronnie Lott, Rod Woodson, Neas Williams, Charles Woodson all moved inside to safety later in their careers. How much pride do you take in the fact that all 13 of your seasons you were spent at corner and all 57 interceptions came in corner? Belichick was extremely instrumental in using me uh, in different ways, which really helped uh, me, helped our defense itself. Uh, become one of the you know, one of the better defenses of, to me of all time in regards to that Giants uh, uh, defense, and it was because uh, of my as I said that to stay at cornerback that just uh, I guess hopefully foolish pride you know that allowed me to just stay there and and have that same mentality because with me it was never about physical ability in playing cornerback. I never looked at it as what I was physically able to do. So, so when you look at it from a mental standpoint, I was always mentally sharp, and that the, the ability to anticipate a route, the ability to the ability to read a route, you know, that's going to always be with me. So there was no need to move me because I could always make those plays. That at least that's the way I felt. Evers Walls, thanks for the time. Best of luck getting to the finals, and we hope, really hope, we see you in Minneapolis. All right, he's sitting right next to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Everson. My, Thank my dad Prescott, that's my guy. We're going to blame him. We're going to blame him. <laughs> that was Hall of Fame semifinalist Everson Walls up next. It's the two-minute drill. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. This is the Talk of Fame Network on SB Nation Radio. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Clark Judge, Rick Goslin, and Ron Borges. Okay, it's time to call Pete Morelli back to bring this meeting to order. Hey, Pete. Thanks. That means we're almost out of time, so it's on to the two-minute drill. Here we go. What's next for Bruce Arians? He becomes a consultant for Tam O'Shanter. Hell <laughs> if I know, but it'll be interesting and very funny. <laughs> Rick Smith is taking you off as Houston GM. So what happens while he's away? The Texas return is a playoff contender. 
Head coach Billy O'Brien finally gets a GM who's on his side. Indiana Jimmy Ursay says Andrew Luck has, quote, a 107-degree fever for success, unquote. Translation, please. If I can't invoke the name of Andrew Luck, no one will listen to me because me and my team will be inconsequential. Translation, Andrew Luck is not feeling well, and neither am I. The Packers say GM Ted Thompson will, quote, transition, unquote, to another job. So what does that mean? It means the free pass Ted has received for drafting Aaron Rodgers has reached its expiration date. <laughs> it means if you don't win in Green Bay, they treat you the same as if you don't win in New York. Get out of here. Why the Lions fire Jim Caldwell? Too much winning. He coached the Lions the first back-to-back winning seasons in two decades. That's a good one, Gooseman. But try this. If you can't make the playoffs with Matthew Stafford and somebody can make him with Tyrod Taylor, you got to go, bro. <laughs> Dude, Dave Gettleman, who's first choice for Giants head coach? Bill Parcells. <laughs> Anybody who didn't work for Bill Belichick, his coaching tree is a shrub. True or false, Jim Harbaugh stays in Michigan. True. If you can't beat Michigan State, how are you going to beat the Steelers and Patriots? <laughs> He will stay there, but not for much longer. If he can't beat Ohio State, Michigan State, and a bowl opponent. How would you fix the catch rule? A ball at free play. Let the call on the field always stand. Easy. Two feet in, ball in your hands, end of story. Peek says he's not old enough to think about retiring. He's 66. So what he's telling us? He's telling us he thinks he can outrun father time. The last guy to do that was Ron. <laughs> he's telling me he has a pretty low ceiling. What's worse than Black Monday? Reality Tuesday, we realize your next hire may not be as good as the one you just fired. April 15th, it's very taxing. Who leaves the Patriots first? Josh McDaniels, Matt Patricia, or Ron Borges? James Harris. <laughs> exactly. It'll be me. I'll be there longer than the Crafts. That's the end of the game. We'd like to thank John Lynch, Everson Walls, and John Turney for joining us, producer Chris Tubbs for studying for Robert Harris Jr. and joining us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any of our podcasts, just go to our website, and that would be talkoffamenetwork.com, or find us on iTunes or your podcast app. Otherwise, look for us next week at this time and on this station. We'll be here, and we hope you will be too.